Welcome, everybody, and it's time for another Hollywood Godfather podcast. And I want to welcome the gruesome threesome right here, Pat Picciarelli, my co-writer, friend. Hi, everybody. And Megan Horan is with us. Hello. She's here, too. Yeah, she's here. So we're all... And today, we're happy to say... We are dedicating this to all of you out there who have been diligent with your emails and requests and even, I mean, it's been great. And we would like to just multiply that by 100,000 times and we'll be off to running and and the races and winning. So with that said, let's get into the mailbag. Mailbag. All right. Let's get into it. First one is from Nathan. Nathan says, Dear Gianni, did you have contact with Frank Costello's brother, Edward? There was not much on Edward Costello on the internet. Could you or Pat recommend a quality book on Mr. Costello, despite his involvement in nefarious activities? Behind it all, he was a savvy businessman. I never even knew he had a brother, Edward. I heard about him. I mean, I didn't know of him to see him and meet him. And was he older or younger? Did he... Did he let us know? No, that was all that that message said. Okay. As far as books go, there have been numerous books written about Frank Costello, and you could uh, read them all and compare. There's also a Facebook page called Uncle Frank's Place that devotes the entire uh, page to Frank Costello. Good to know. That's good. I didn't know that. Moving right. right along. <laughs> Next one is from Mike. Mike says, Johnny and Pat, have you ever met or have any stories about Mel Brooks? Since you all are native New Yorkers and have been around the block, I would imagine you would have crossed paths at some point. Not me. Mel Brooks? Well, I met yeah, him, but I mean, we've been in so, uh, social circles at different events, but I was never impressed with him. I mean, Why I not? love his crazy movies. Hmm. Well, what character did he play in Young Frankenstein? What's that? What character did he play in Young Frankenstein? Oh, Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah, he was in, uh, I think his most famous movie was Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah, that was phenomenal. Which which I've seen numerous times and laughed at it constantly. I mean, the, the, the guy, for his time, you know, these, these oh, he's pictures. he's way ahead were, of himself. Uh, way ahead of himself. I mean, these pictures were around in the 1970s. And uh, he, he was he was taking a task for some of the humor, which was uh, really risque at the time. But he did it anyway. And these uh, uh, these movies, Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles. Well he, he, uh, well, he produced them, you know, and they they loved them. He yeah. directed he directed that, right? I knew he had something to do with it. I for some reason thought he played a part, but that makes more sense. No, he, uh, he may have played a cameo. But okay. Yeah, right. I just remember associating that name with that movie, so that makes sense. They are they are classics. Definitely. All right. Next is from someone who wants to be known as an Englishman in L.A. Someone says, hi, guys. Listen to every episode. So well done. Megan, please read this out loud as there is such irony here. 
Gianni's mentor and most disliked actor, a tie with JC, I'm assuming that's James Caan, teamed up, if he didn't know already, in the must-watch series Godfather of Harlem, about to shoot another season. Paul Sorvino is Tony Accardo. I know. What about it? Chas Palminteri's in it. Everybody's in it. James Caan is in there? He was saying the irony that that Paul Sorvino is playing Tony Accardo. Do you have some sort of tumultuous relationship with Paul Sorvino? Oh, he's an idiot. Okay. He's so, so then full of, this guy is, he's so full of himself. No, he's playing a card because he's a big man. Behind, behind you know, casting, casting people, real people, they're not looking for anybody but to, to resemble them in structure, first of all. And Paul Sorvino's a, a name. Chaz Palminteri's playing somebody in it. Everybody, you know, they're all in it. It's great. So what is that like, somebody that you don't necessarily care for playing one of your real-life mentors? That has nothing to do with me. You know, anybody can play. I mean, that's like saying if I, it bothers me who's playing me in, in the offer. No, they, they cast the guy who's doing the job. See you later. All right, then. The next one is from Eddie. Eddie says, my Sicilian family came from East Harlem, NYC, migrating to Hollywood during World War II. Not sure what East Harlem neighborhoods were like in the early 1900s. Also enjoyed the Steve Wynn discussion very much as he is a fascinating person and especially the Vatican episode about the Shah. Question, do you know of anyone who faked their own death to escape public life? If so, would we be surprised if we knew? Thanks so much. I know a lot of guys faced their own death. And fake. Fake death. Fake. Yeah, fake yeah. death. Well, yeah. isn't that staging it? Faking it. They couldn't yeah. stage it without killing themselves. They staged it and ran on on a different identity. Yeah, I think uh, wise guys are more famous for just uh, cutting out and hiding. Right. Than faking their own deaths. Uh, people who, uh, normal, normal or, or people who fake their own deaths are usually doing it uh, for the insurance money. Right, mm-hmm. and they normally and, don't get away with that because the insurance yeah, companies—they have a relentless to find you. <laughs> and, and at this age of high tech, it's very difficult to get away with something like that. And they always do it the same way: they go out fishing, and uh, the boat overturns. You know, well, a couple and, of them fake plane crashes, even. Or they, or, or their, their their car is found on a bridge with the doors open. You know, yeah. and uh, it's it's all the same stuff. The cops aren't stupid. You know, I mean. Uh, so these people who do fake their own deaths have to stay completely out of touch with the people who they want to be in touch with, like their wives, for years and years and years. And the mistakes they generally make is they reestablish contact and they get caught. See, I'm totally the contrary. When I leave, the last person I want to talk to is that wife <laughs> ever again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd never get caught. Yeah. <laughs> No, that and surprisingly enough, that still goes on. It goes on a lot. Oh know, yeah. Well, like, they think it's the only way to get out, and you know, and maybe yeah, salvage do. something. Yeah. I remember one ex-wife is still calling me six years later to get my clothes out of our house. I wanted <laughs> to remind you, it's my house, and just leave my clothes yeah. where they are. I'll stop paying mortgages. <laughs> yeah. Who was the uh, uh, actress that starred with uh, John Travolta in Greece? Oh, what was her name? In Greece? Yeah. Oh, my God. Early on. Yeah, well, her, her uh, live-in boyfriend. Olivia Newton-John. Olivia Newton-John, oh. yeah. 
Olivia Newton-John. Her her living boyfriend famously vanished about 20 years ago. And every now and then a story crops up where he's been spotted in Mexico, Greece. No way. He's been interviewed numerous times. I mean, everybody will agree this guy's alive, but he's slippery. But does he uh, have he, money? He, well, not anymore. The reason he left was he owed everybody. And, and, and he decided he wanted to start a, a new life. But, I mean, there's been verified sightings of this guy over the course of 20, 25 years. And I don't think anybody cares because he didn't defraud anybody. He just I know, but who cares? Well, I was just going to say, who cares about yeah, Olivia yeah. Newton-John's living boyfriend? It's yeah, like well, his yeah, cat exactly, ran away. But, <laughs> but if, if you're going to fake your debt so your heirs can collect your insurance, then they look for you. Yeah. But not if you just want to take off. And uh, that's that's what this guy did. I forgot his name. It was an Italian guy. Figures, right? <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. I, I can't find it quickly enough to to add that in. But interesting. So then we also have one from Eddie who says, did you know Darty Minsky, sister of Lily St. Cyr, or visit the Minsky's Rancho in Vegas? Darty once told me that everyone in the mob visited their place and saw their Follies shows. Thoughts? Say that again. Who is it? Minsky's Follies and Lily St. Cyr, C-Y-R. She was a famous stripper. Yeah, I was just going to say, was she kidding me or what? Did you know Darty Minsky or no. visit the Minsky's no. Rancho Vegas? It was such a, I mean, it really wasn't a classy show to begin with, although I think it was downtown, no less. Maybe in the 50s or 40s. Minsky's. Yeah, Minsky's Follies was famous in the 40s. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. I thought she was going to talk about the Follies Bergere, Lido di Paris. I mean, these shows were big shows. Anyway, ruling okay. right on. Next one is from Joanne. Joanne says, Gianni, while in Las Vegas, did you catch the Arthur... Lyman Group, Lehman Group. I don't know if, which way to say it. If Lyman. so, you ever meet him, what was your takeaway? I never met him. Well, maybe I didn't know who what his last name was. I meet a lot of authors and State Street, you know, and, and, and Tiffany's. There was people constantly coming. I don't know the guy. All right. Next is from Bethany. Bethany says, just listen to another great podcast episode, number 155. And after a quick Google search, found this article from three years ago. She attached an ex excerpt of the article, basically explaining that um, hands were changed in the owning of a property in Las Vegas. Uh, about that, she asked, does Mr. Gianni still own land at Harmon and Koval? Uh, Mr. Gianni never owned the land. Mr. Gianni had a 99-year lease that was transferred to Monaco and now is in Liechtenstein. They'd have to contact the people who own it. Ha ha. That was the IRS trying to find out if I owned it. <laughs> <laughs> Very sneaky, those people, huh? Right. <laughs> They'll never get anything out of Gianni. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> sure better they should know by now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, kick, kick. I really can't blame these people for trying, you know? True. But I'm sure you'd want me to show you the article in the excerpt. I just don't feel like taking don't the time care. to read the whole thing. No, so not, not interested. Okay, next is from Manny in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I just watched the trailer from The Offer and wondered what you guys thought of it and the movie in general. Well, 
I did the trailer drop. Did you see it, Johnny? I seen it. It was fabulous. The what trailer dropped. I think I put it up on our website for a minute. The trailer dropped on the offer, and in an hour and a half, it had over three million hits, which is amazing to me. I think it's going to be what a great think? success. It's coming out in April, and they're starting to promote it already. So, okay. Thank you, Manny. Thank you, Manny. Miles Teller's in it, which was a surprise to me. I didn't know. What was oh. that? Miles Teller is in it. Who is he playing? Um, he's playing Bobby Evans, isn't he? Oh, he's playing Al Ruddy. Al Ruddy. I knew he was one of the top guys, yeah. Very cool. That might be the only name I really recognize in this. No, there's a couple of big names in it. Very good. All right, next is from Max. Max says, I was never a big fan of rap music, but Joel and Arsonist knock this one out of the park. On what platforms will this music be offered? Well, on all, fortunately. We want to see how it's well-received, and that's all up to you all listening right now. And then we're going to go and see the avenues we're already looking into. And as we were all surprised with, after we were talking about the Super Bowl last week on the show, to find out both of these artists work for Dr. Dre. Joel wrote for Hamilton, which now has opened another whole door for us, which I already jumped into. And I've already called some of my friends who've invested in like the Jersey Boy and other stuff like that. There's a group out here that just made a fortune investing in Broadway plays. So you may find us everywhere, hopefully. But we need your support. Next is from Julie. Julie says, as an IT person, I've wondered if the mafia has tried using sophisticated tech methods of avoiding electronic surveillance to avoid detection. There are many encrypted programs and untraceable phones available these days. What would you guys know about about that or think about that? I had some experience with that when, when uh, you know, the, uh, tech is an ongoing thing. It's always improving. Uh, when I was in uh, New York as a private investigator, uh, I had a very good friend of mine passed away not too long ago. We used to do sweeps, bug sweeps for the, for the mob. And I was asked on occasion to do polygraph testing for certain people. I would only do it for uh, employees of legitimate businesses they owned. In other words, if they thought that somebody was stealing, uh, I would be called in to look for a thief and they would just get fired. But I mean, if anybody ever called me to uh, test the guy to see if he was in law enforcement or something, naturally, I wouldn't do that. That's ridiculous. Uh, But, uh, you know, high tech is really high tech now. And I've often wondered about that myself. You know anything about about that, Gianni? Uh, are, are, Are the bosses savvy or do they uh, go the extra mile I'm going to tell the whole world and it's so simple and I'm shocked you don't know that Pat WhatsApp no no listen to me what I'm saying I didn't tell you yet WhatsApp is the most secured text line there is no it's not WhatsApp is owned by Google and it's there's I mean I use this stuff all the time as, as a private investigator there there are secure uh, methods of communication, like this, uh, there's a there's a mail server called Proton Mail, 
uh, the, the the feds have been trying to to get to them for years. But WhatsApp uh, and all and quite a few other uh, uh, similar apps like Telegram, these are owned by other people, and you know you can send encrypted uh, text and email from one party to another. But if the feds subpoena the logs, which is important here, do they keep logs? And yes, they do. Uh, they're going to find out all the information they want. You got to be very careful. So the question that was asked is: Are they? Uh, is is the mob? Are the mob bosses tech savvy enough to know, for instance, to stay away from places like uh, WhatsApp? And do they employ really high tech methods of security? Well, I I know two mob bosses in Europe who have cell phones in legitimate people's names using WhatsApp for years. And it's them. Oh, gotta, the problem with WhatsApp are the logs and any uh, and also any uh, any other similar app. You know, you have to look into these things. Do they keep logs and can they be subpoenaed? If you're going to get an uh, an app like that, the first thing you should make sure of is that the headquarters of the app is offshore. The Netherlands is great. Uh, that's where Proton uh, Mail is headquartered because they don't cooperate. Right. Uh, it's 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 not in their uh, country's law, and they won't do it. So you have to be really careful about what you're doing and what you think is secure may not be. No, I don't. I mean, I don't think that they're saying go hit Joe Z up. You know, they're giving encrypted messages through that. And yeah. all I'm saying is that these individuals are very happy with WhatsApp right now. So I mean, I don't know what how they're doing it. If the oh. phone if the phone base phone is in Netherlands, I don't know what it is, but. Okay, yeah. I, I, the, yeah. yeah. All right. But see, we don't do anything wrong, so we don't have to worry about that. We don't know. We don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I use, personally, I use two tin cans and a string to communicate. There you go. I yeah. did that for a long time, but nobody was on the other end of it. Yeah, they had to attach some more string to our string before they can get to hear what we were saying. Yeah. You know. <laughs> That's where they got the thing, no strings attached. There you go. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Next is from Larry in Thailand. Larry says, Virginia Thailand, and Patrick, did you say? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Virginia and Patrick, are you hearing of any ethnic groups that haven't traditionally been involved in organized crime that are delving into it? That's a good question. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any ethnic group that doesn't have an organized criminal presence. Do you, Johnny? No. I, think I mean, they, if, yeah, they all have their own. I little... mean, I mean, perhaps Eskimos. You know, I mean, <laughs> we, you know, we can we can find somebody, I guess. But you know, people that are in not in third world countries, maybe monks, perhaps Buddhists you know. like that. You know, I well, don't know. Religion, but, you know, if 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 you if they're in a, a civilized society, you're going to have crime, and if you're going to have organized crime, naturally, the people of the same ethnicity stick together. So, uh, you know, to what degree they're successful is a different story. But All right. Next is from Jeannie in Utah. Jeannie says, for Gianni and Patrick, no-show jobs seem to be the easiest crime to be detected by law enforcement. Do you know much about the practice? It's been going on forever. My father had a no-show job with the International Longshoremen's Union. And they all hated him, but they needed. They knew his family of four at the time, three at the time, because he knew somebody there, and they took care of him because of my uncle. 
but no-show jobs have been forever. Yeah, yeah, but the question I think was, is, isn't it easy to get exposed having a no-show job? You're either working or you're not. Well, I mean, if they're looking into, say, like your father back in the day, and then they, they follow him for a week and a half, guy doesn't go to work except to pick up his paycheck. You're exposed. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, for a paycheck, who's going to spend that kind of time? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Too many Next. gangster movies they're watching. I guess. <laughs> All right, next is from Henry. Henry says, for Patrick and Gianni, I eagerly await your first novel in the fictionalized Gianni series. How exactly does that work? Well, fiction, I, I like writing fiction because, let's face it, you make shit up. I mean, uh, how can you beat that? You did you, do any did research, you just curse on our show? However, <laughs> in in our case, and Gianni and in and, uh, and our case, what we have set out to do is combine fact and fiction. You know, certain things you can say that you can't say to, to, to publishers because they're very litigious. They think they're going to get sued. So uh, while we combine fact with fiction, it'll be up to the reader to figure out what is fact and what is fiction. We just started our first book. Johnny read the first chapter the other day. and uh, Which blew me away, yeah. I got to tell you. Oh, good. Thank you for that. Oh, brilliant, uh, brilliant. Well, it, uh, it it gives a writer more leeway to decide what he's going to write and uh, not have to back everything up with uh, research. And uh, publishers, lawyers aren't going to come after Johnny and I and say, OK, you said this on page 38. Now uh, prove that actually happened. Well, we don't have to because it's fiction. Maybe. You know, it's it's really uh, and I was I, I, I mean, the literary world is totally new to me anyway. I had one book and fortunately Pat did such a great job, it's still selling. But now that I understand it, as Pat said, and now I read the first chapter, I love it. I mean, and, and it gives you sort of freedom. And my biggest yeah, yeah. concern was, you know, to mention friends' names constantly. You know, I get a lot of phone calls <laughs> that I don't want. <laughs> So yeah, with, it's, with that you know said, the, the, the bottom line, I was discussing uh, this with Gianni yesterday when he, he called me about the chapter. It's fun. It's fun. It's a lot fun, of fun to do. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's great. As as as, as far as the uh, the uh, timeline where uh, within the next uh, few weeks, we'll be ready to submit the uh, the proposal to our agent and we'll see where it goes. And we we want this to be a series of books uh, and Gianni's wide and very Korea, we're not going to lack for topics. Oh, no, no. Forever. We get them every day. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. All right. Next is from Alicia. Alicia says, whatever became of the guy who killed the boss of the Gambino crime family two years ago? The, yeah, the kid? Happened? The kid's doing time. That was... He, after you're talking about John Kelly, which I think he is, the last, the guy, yeah. the, the sister-in-law, he was the, the brother-in-law to this guy's girlfriend, and he was told to stay away from her. And as a young lover, a kid, sat outside of John Kelly's house, because I was doing something, in the, and every ride, I, I was doing one, one, I think I was doing um, uh, extra, 
And I was in the studio when that came over the news, and they asked me, do you think it was a mob hit because a major guy just got out? I don't want to mention his last name. And they thought he was, you know, avenging what went on with the, before he went into jail. I said, that was no mob hit. This, how could you say that? I said, well, first of all, they're not going to kill the man in front of his house, in front of his family. The mob don't do that. They'll lure you away from it. They do have certain, you know, respect for family. And I knew it right away. This kid was a moron. Okay, did he stand trial? Did he plead guilty? Is he still awaiting trial? What's the story? I he think he made the- a plea bargain. I think it's under, I think it washed away. I think he yeah, made a deal. You know, hear nothing about it. Nothing at all. It's, it's two That's years crazy. ago already, two and a half years. He may be dead. Know. They may have killed himself in a cell. We're not going to know. Oh. No, we would have, we would have, that, that would have been news. Yeah, you know? probably. So, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he, I, I don't know. But, um, was definitely not a mob hit. Yeah. All right. Next is from Rocco here in New York. Rocco says, I'm sure you folks have an opinion on the new Curtis Sliwa, Anthony Weiner radio show on NBC or on ABC. Do we have an opinion? Oh, funny you should ask. Funny Rocco. you should ask. I can't believe anybody bought that. How do you put a, a convicted pedophile, an admitted pedophile, on a radio show and a call-in show? I can only imagine what the first hour is going to be. <laughs> Who's calling? You and I were discussing this the other day. This guy's going to get ripped up. Hey, I don't know if you're aware of this, Johnny, but Wiener was interviewed on Fox yesterday about the radio show, and the, the commentator on, on Fox, I forget who it was, Tore him apart. Really? That, of that course. Group? Oh, it's just something. This is exactly what's going to happen when that show premieres. The people who are going to call in, you talk about seven second delays. That's all they're going to have. I mean, they're going to just tear this guy apart. I don't know what ABC was thinking. I don't know. I don't know, know what Kurt Lewa was thinking. And my and my friends own it. I know them very well. John Casamitidis and Margot. They come to my house for dinner. I'm shocked. I'm, I'm, we, well, we, we have our own personal feeling on this because we were negotiating with them for a long time of thinking about going over there. Well, that thought's the show, eradicated. <laughs> the show is called The Left and the Right. But the, the interview with Fox actually made headlines in the Post today about how he was made to look like an idiot, couldn't answer questions. It's going to get the same thing when the show airs. Hello. It's going to be one long uh, bash wiener. Well, maybe that's what they're looking for, the high rating for a one-quarter on Wiener's coattails. But I wouldn't – I mean, I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking. No, me, nor, nor do we. Yeah. Moving on. All right. Next is from Anthony in Las Vegas. Gianni, I just read a biography on Albert Anastasia called Lord High Executioner by Frank DiMatteo. In it, he chronicles he, – I'm sorry – In it, he chronicles Anastasia's time as boss of Murder Incorporated. He says Anastasia's name for it was Cosa Mia. Do you know anything about that? Of course. That was a movie we did in Lepke. I played Albert Anastasia in it. And if you watch that, Tony Curtis played Maya Lansky. And that's when they they formed Murder Incorporated. First of all, to control the garment industry teamsters and the garment industry. That's how that started. Then they started taking out a lot more contracts and became what it was. But did you hear, uh, and I read the same book, by the way, 
that uh, Anastasia called that organization Cosamia. Yeah, that was that was his name for it. It was his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, that's the name of your clothing company too. You aren't doing something on the side. No, mine's La Cosamia. Oh, okay. Excuse me, <laughs> not me. <laughs> we uh, believe me. My clothing company, but thank you for the plug. My clothing company, <laughs> which is launching now, finally, that Europe has opened up and we're getting deliveries, will be next month. But La Cosa okay. Mia by Gianni, not La Cosa Nostra. <laughs> no, well, he's talking about Cosa Mia. He called it Cosa Mia. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Well, you, my, oh, yeah. my clothing, I stand contradicted. My clothing line, yes, is La Cosa Mia. Yeah, and... Which Anastasia is, called Murder, Murder Incorporated Cosimia. Yeah, because it was his. Yeah. That's what that means. I know, yeah. Oh, so. Now we well, know. I, I thought I thought I'll of that be, first. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next is from James. James says, Gianni, in the previous episode with Joelle, an arsonist, you mentioned that you are now a, quote, rapper. Are you actually rapping on the tracks? Not that much, but I am. I'm on every track. I introduce them, I add them, I add a few lines. And I, I tell you right now, I, it's an experience I never thought in my life I would be doing approaching 80 years of age. <laughs> Most rap I heard was I couldn't understand. And that's when we had this meeting initially, I, I, I said, I'll go along with it. As long as there's no profanity, we're not using, you know, off-color slang for, to, you know, pick out uh, different races and whatever. Get demeaning women and all that. Yeah, and uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's totally listener-friendly if you want to turn it on while you're driving with the family to church on Sunday. <laughs> you can do it. You know, I mean, it depicts your story accurately. So there's a, a little uh, talk about violence and, and criminality. But uh, we, we had these guys on the show last week. I mean, they, they were great. And they even said, we wanted to do this totally different. We wanted the music different. We wanted the lyrics different so they could be understood by everyone. And we wanted to clean it up. And these guys did a hell of a job. No, it's amazing to me. Amazing what they did. Yeah. Don't forget it drops... The 25th, you'll be listening to the show two days before. Yep. Exactly. All right. Next question is from Leslie. Leslie says, Gianni, what are you most looking forward to right now in your life? Wow. Well, I have, I have seven things going on right now. As Pat mentioned, him and I are writing a new book. Looking forward to that. George Gallo is now taking on my project Full Force. He did uh, Midnight Run, 29th Street. So he's making a feature film out of a book, my clothing line. Uh, I'm involved, obviously, you know, with Corleone Fine Italian Foods. I'm expanding my liquor lines with the new Prohibition edition for Christmas this year coming. Corleone Prohibition booze. But what um, have you done lately? What's that? What have you done lately? I, well, I know, so I mean, well, you shouldn't ask this <laughs> question. On. I got seven, seven projects think, right now. Think of something. Keep busy. Come on, man. No, I, well, fortunately, you're involved with, all of us are involved with three <laughs> or four of them <laughs> directly. Yeah. Tell me about it. Oh, and I'm doing a pilot tomorrow. There you go. Yeah. For 
wise guy roundtable for Fox. So that's it. I mean, that's all I'm doing right now as an old man. That's all? Yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. Next is from Carol. Carol says, Johnny and Patrick, what is your connection, if any, to Howard Stern? We both had them. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we had quite a few shows uh, back in the day. I mean, it's 150-something shows. If you haven't heard it, it's back there. But Johnny both and I, as he says, had, had, had history with Howard. We, we knew Howard when he was a different person. Yep. Didn't we? When he wasn't, I, I mean, he was always been opinionated, but now it's totally to the right when it was to the left. And, and yeah, now... And he, he forgets a lot of things that he should remember. Oh, yeah, hello. But anyway, if you want to hear a lot about uh, our experiences with Howard, check out the at least two podcasts that we did on him. Yeah, there's definitely an episode. Oh, there. yeah. Well, yeah, go, yeah, go to our podcast and look up yeah. Howard Stern. You'll see him. A lot of insight about Howard on our shows. A lot of disappointment, too, I have to say. Yeah, me too. All right, next I want to share a message from Keith. Keith says, just read The Hollywood Godfather. Absolutely awesome. Probably going to read it again. It was very hard to put the book down. Already have the audiobook so I can hear it in Gianni's voice. Awesome. Love the podcast as well. Keep doing what you're all doing. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you, Keith. That's you, man. Thank Keith. you. Somehow he's related to us, I bet. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have any relatives. I, I don't have any relatives called Keith. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Tony, Vito. <laughs> Well, that's maybe maybe uh, Keith. Keith is his name in the witness protection program. <laughs> maybe he's one, maybe he's one of them that I don't know about because they're, they're away right now. <laughs> All right, guys. Before we move on, why don't we take a quick commercial break? Gianni, Please. you want to send us off? It's time to make a few dollars. Don't go anywhere because we know where you live. Hi, Patrick Picciarelli here. Before we get to our listeners' emails, a quick word about the new fiction book series I've launched. Private investigator Ray Yale tackles his first two cases in Bloodshot Eyes and The Pop Line. Both books are in paperback and are available on Amazon.com. I've been a PI for 30 years, and these books are based on my cases. Enjoy. All right, we're back with more of the mailbag. I love this part of the show, the mailbag. Okay, next is from Chris. Chris says, Gianni, do you have any plans to celebrate the 50th anniversary of The Godfather? <laughs> I got about 10, 15 of them. It, it's already starting. I've been uh, fortunately requested to do a lot of promo, which I thought that would happen because obviously Mr. Pacino's not. I don't know why James Kahn is not. He could do it from his wheelchair. Uh, I don't know what, what, I mean, I guess I'm very vocal and available, and they know how to get in touch with me. But I'm doing so much, fortunately, and I appreciate it all. So we'll be, you'll be hearing a lot and doing a lot with me. I'm, I'm promoting stuff with Viacom Paramount. As I just mentioned, we're doing a, a pilot, which should air soon on Fox, called Wise Guys Roundtable. And um, that'll be, I mean, there's so much going on for us. And um, so, I, I yes, I'll be doing things for the next year about this 50th anniversary. Godfather. The yes. Godfather. Godfather. Yes, um, ma'am. 
Next is from Jake. Jake says, Gianni, would you tell us a bit more about your personal experience when you listened to the tracks that Joel and Arsonist created? Did you have to give them any sort of direction or make any corrections? Very few corrections where they had a name wrong or something like that. But no, they nailed it, man. I was in awe. When they sat me down, and I, I, I said it last week on the show, the, the f first episode touching on me in the polio ward and how he captivated it, the emotion and everything else, I, you know, I'm 79 years of age. I broke down and cried. It's very effective. And I have to say, I mean, these 12 tracks are so unique. And they're totally, each one is, is a, a, a small vignette of my life. But it takes you, there's different energy in different one. It, it's amazing. And you know, the, the listeners uh, won't be hearing typical rap music. The, the, the music uh, on this album is positively haunting. I mean, it's so well done. You wouldn't expect it to be on a rap album. Yeah. It just, it just, it, it, it propels the story. Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't. You, uh, well, I don't think Pat and I could have gotten anybody to collaborate and put this story into rap, other than these two guys. They're both geniuses in what they do. They're both geniuses. Yeah, I, you know, like you said. You know, who knew that this guy uh, collaborated on the lyrics to Hamilton, the biggest Broadway hit in 50 years. And he wrote songs and did our album. And uh, uh, Arsonist, I mean, he can write music. Man, this guy's oh, so yeah. talented. I was there one day and, you know, no, and, and that's another thing that was shocking for our audience to understand. I'm up there one day and I'm hearing all these strings and violins that he, he laid down the night before, the keyboards, and then he mixing it. And that's the intro about 16 bars to one episode. And it's so, like you're saying, haunting. I mean, the episode on Marlon Brando's last four years on this earth is blow you away. It'll blow the, and then people who are involved with it, the names, the celebrities, it, it, uh, it's, 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 it's really breathtaking. Yeah, you'd have to tell them anything. Just sit back and listen. Yeah. It's perfect. All right. Next one is from Martha. Martha says, Gianni, this could be completely out there, but were you ever acquainted with Pamela Anderson? <laughs> he wishes. No, I don't wish it. I don't know. I never wanted. I was never into those kind of people. The only Pamela Anderson I knew was when she did that TV show, Baywatch. Wasn't that her? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that was all to me. It's like, you know, I think it's overdone. Well, I know, but I mean, they're capitalizing on things. We saw Jane Mansfield do. We saw uh, every big busted woman with no talent. That they just put them in these things and do it. TNA. That answers that question. It sure does. <laughs> Next one is from David. David says, Patrick, who would you say is the most famous person you've ever met? Ronald Reagan. Oh, wow. That's a, I was invited, <laughs> a big one. <laughs> yeah, I was invited to the Rose Garden. My wife was getting an award, the uh, Theodore Roosevelt Award. Uh, 
1985. And, uh, I mean, he, what a personable guy. Oh uh, my they, God. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they flew us there. Uh, he couldn't have been, you know, he didn't care about who, who you were. I mean, it's I'm just a lowly cop. I was still on the job at the time. Very friendly, very inquisitive. You know, he just wasn't saying things to, 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 to make me feel good. You know, he was interested or he sounded interested. Right, anyway. right. Uh, but anyway, he was the most uh, uh, influential celebrity. Or That's I'll never funny forget that you that. should say that, too, because I met him yeah. early on when he was the governor through Lou Wasserman. And then when they were running him for president and uh, they convinced <laughs> Frank Sinatra to switch from being a Democrat yeah. and run the Republican Party for that. And so I, I got to know him really well. And like you said, he was such a personal guy. I mean, I never liked his wife, Nancy. She stayed the same. She just had that air about her. But this guy was I'm, just a down-to-earth guy. He could be a neighbor. Him, wanted everybody to call him Dutch. That, that night, everybody had to call him Dutch. I'm talking about right, every that's major. I, that's kind of uncomfortable. The president I know. Of the United States, oh, yeah. And this was <laughs> on the back lot. Close. This was on the back lot of NBC. It's a special. If you get a chance, to, you could probably look it up. It was it's an NBC YouTube. special. Dutch yeah. Reagan's birthday party. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, check it out. It's really hmm. good. All right. Next one is from Ermin. Ermin says, Gianni, off the top of your head, do you have any extremely memorable interview experiences over your lifetime? Did I what? Any memorable interview experiences. Being interviewed or interviewing people? Being interviewed, I would assume. Oh, I had so many. I mean, Jesus. I, you know, it, it used to shock me. One, one comes to mind all the time, and it's still up. I did an interview, and I don't know how many people know that I was drunk, but I tried to, you know, totally Play it hide it. But I did, had no respect for this guy, Skippy Lowe. Now, Skippy Lowe, you have to look it up. Skippy Lowe's interview is still up. But he was a female impersonated stripper. Is how I met her at Crescidos, him, her, at Crescidos on Staten Island when I was a teenager. And now he's doing television interviews in California. I thought they were kidding me. I was waiting. How long, how long ago was that? What's that? How long ago was that? The oh, in the 90s. Yeah. In the nineties. But you have yeah, to there's look a at lot it. of it, there's a lot of interviews uh uh on, on YouTube over the years. I think there's a lot of them of you. Oh yeah, no, but this what one no she's saying for? about what and he was uh, that I was ever taken back on. I thought any minute was a joke. Yeah. Because how this guy that's he, in fact in the interview he said, Were you close to Sinatra? I said, Not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The guy is, I mean, he was so crazy. You know who loved him was uh, Sylvester Stallone's mother. Sylvester Stallone's mother was a star in herself in Beverly Hills. She, she was amazing. But anyway, that would be the only interview that really blew me away. All right. Next one is from Derek. Derek says, Johnny, it's incredible how much you've accomplished in life. Right now, what are your goals and what do you still want to accomplish? Watch 
three questions before, and then you'll get all the answers. No, I'm doing it. Well, we, now we're going for a Broadway play, a feature film on what we've done. Books. We're, look, we're looking for Grammys for rapping. We're look, I mean, I, I got I got some goals that are, are insane for a man that's approaching eighty. <laughs> Keeps you young, buddy. Yep. Absolutely. Next one is from Tommy. Tommy says, Johnny, how have you been spending your days lately with all this COVID nonsense and how horribly cold it's been in New York City? Well, fortunately, I've been locked down and, and been very, very productive. I changed my attitude with my food that we've been marketing in retail grocery stores. We went to direct to marketing. We've expanded Spirits line. Pat and I are writing another book. We've been plenty of time to do our podcasts, and we've I've been very productive, fortunately. Life is good. Yeah. I think, I mean, this is my second pandemic, but this one I've been really, you know, the other one was a little kid laying in bed. This one I'm making money with. <laughs> <laughs> and you're healthy. Yeah, thank God. Yes, that's man. All right. The last one for this episode is from Bill. Bill says, Gianni, what advice would you give someone who is just starting acting? Wow. I hope you have a lot of money and you have a day job. I, I tell my own kids this through the years. Not This is not something I just made up. Through the years, my kids, even my daughter, my oldest daughter, like 54, wanted to do it. I said, here's what you do. Get an education, get a profession. You have to approach it as a hobby. Because if it's a necessity and you're going to go out to L.A., you're going to be a waitress or a bartender or doing things you don't want to do to survive, to stay out there because you don't want to come home because you're not a success. So you're destroying your own drive and ego by, it's you know, with the, they alluded with all of these entertainment shows how glorious it is. It isn't. There's very few sustainable actors that make a career out of it. You can name how many people last for 10 years. You know, in, in any creative art, somebody once told me when, when I first started to, to voice an opinion that I wanted to write, uh, I was getting discouraged by everybody. Uh, and so I was in my late 40s when I, I even thought about becoming a writer. And one person told me who was in the business, he said, you know, only one out of 300 books sell the first time. One out of 300. And screenplays is one out of several thousand. Oh, my God, yeah. So, I mean, in any creative art, the odds are against you. Uh, do you have to be talented? Well, it certainly helps, but there's a lot of talented people out there. you got to be lucky. Mm -hmm. Luck's got to be on your side. It goes back to that old saying, what came from the chicken or the egg? What are you going to be? You don't know. It's, it's a, you don't know where to go. I get that question asked to me a lot. How could I get into acting? Well... Buy a ticket to a movie and watch. Yeah. That's look, I tell them to look into the mirror and see if you can impress yourself. But <laughs> <laughs> you, right. you are a young lady approaching this business. It's it's a lot of hard work getting yeah. in on any level. Absolutely. And it's, still, and it's still who you know. Yes, absolutely. And I think with that comes a lot of luck, too. Yes. 
you know, people say networking, but can't always get to the people you want to. And exactly. A little bit of luck. So. All right. Well, that's all we have for tonight. We, we want should... to make a, a different plea, a different plea to our fans. Two days from watching this show, our record drops. That's uh, hip hop talk. Our record drops at midnight. How impressed. How impressed I am. <laughs> <laughs> we need you to tell everybody in the world. We want this to be a hit for many, many reasons. Because there is a definite positive message of going forward in life on all of these 12 things. My journey, I know, will influence you. And it's a, a life experience of people you've never even thought about thinking about. There's over 50-something celebrities and their stories connected to all my life and presidents, popes. If you haven't read the book, then you know or should listen to this. But thank you for your support. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Oh, you're quite welcome. Megan and... See Great you show, next folks. week. Yeah, thank uh, you. Good night, hey, everyone. everybody. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but thank just you call for tuning me. in to the Hollywood Tell Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Horan, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you'd like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. I'll be around.